In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. We are ready for it. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Monday night football, Daryl. Are you ready, Brown Steelers? I am ready for some football, Mr. Baskin. All right, my friend. So what are we looking at as the Browns head into this game health-wise? Amari Cooper, uh, it doesn't look real good. What, what's the latest on Amari? Yeah, not great that he got hurt Saturday uh, afternoon. And those those last practice day of the week injuries are always the worst, right? Um, the company line right now is they're going to wait and see how Amari feels Monday. Uh, which I'm guessing a lot of folks will be listening to this Monday morning. Um, I, My personal opinion and view on the situation, he will not play Monday night. I don't think Amari Cooper will play Monday night. Um, it was interesting because Kevin Stefanski said he aggravated an injury, but he wasn't really on the injury report. His day off on Wednesday was rest-related. Now, hmm. remember against the Bengals, though, he slipped, and he kind of hobbled off the field, went in the medical tent. They took a look-see at him said everything was fine. Amari told us on Thursday when we asked him about it, he said, everything's fine. It's not a big deal. Nothing to worry about. No concerns. And then of course on Friday, or I should say on Saturday, we talked to him on Friday. My, see, my days are all messed up. <laughs> uh, we talked to him on Friday, which is a Thursday for us. Um, and then of course on Saturday, then he goes ahead and uh, you know, he unfortunately suffers the injury. And the, the, the news item of that is Andy. He didn't just suffer the injury. He had to leave practice. So, um, I got a one second glance at Amari in the locker room Saturday as he was walking uh, somewhere. <clears throat> Can't really get an evaluation there, but my best guess is that we do not see Amari Cooper on Monday Night Football in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. So what does that mean? More Marquise Goodwin, more maybe Cedric Tillman gets into a little bit of action. Obviously, David Bell's a guy they want to step up. Yeah, well, I you're you're stuck on David Bell, and I just I, I don't know that David Bell's part of the game plan. I'm not stuck on him, but I know you're short a wide receiver. So I mean, there's going to be an opportunity for him to do something. I would think, even if it's on special teams. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I think there's a better chance that Cedric Tillman gets an opportunity to do something more so than um, than David Bell. Just from like a size factor, Andy, I just think that like Cedric might give them a little more than David can. I honestly, on my depth chart, I think I think Cedric's the fifth wide receiver and David Bell's the sixth wide receiver. Um, but Tillman gives them a little more size. He's got really good hands too. Uh, red zone type target. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that um, more Elijah Moore. Here's what's interesting. I, I I think that based off of last week's game against the Bengals, where like those those deep shots didn't work. Like we, we, we spent a lot of time on this podcast and on the station talking about just the offense wasn't that great, especially the passing game with Deshaun. There's a lot of excitement in that building though based off of what they saw against the Bengals um, and the opportunities they feel that are going to be there for them offensively. So, yeah, they didn't hit any big plays against Cincinnati, but Marquise Goodwin got on top of the defense multiple times. 
Uh, Amari Cooper, who obviously is nicked up and we're probably not going to see him. He got open a little bit, DPJ. So I feel like the Browns are excited about their scheme offensively and the explosiveness explosiveness that's going to be there, uh, you know, provided Deshaun Watson isn't having to throw uh, wet footballs. All right, let's get into another part of the game here. I'll, I'll, well, you know what? Hang on. We'll get to that in a second. Juan Thornhill, I want to get through the injuries here. What, what's the deal with him? I think he's going to play. Um, he looked good in the open portion of practice on Friday and Saturday. Got my days right. Um, when we saw him, uh, did not get to speak with him on Saturday. Uh, I, I have to take ownership of that. I did a very poor job setting the edge by his locker. So weak. Weak. So, you know, what it is is they have the podium set up in the middle of the locker room, a little inside football for you. So, you know, they, they have certain guys that they tell us, hey, uh, so, like, on Saturday, it was Miles Garrett and Elijah Moore. Those were the two guys that came to the podium in the middle of the locker room. So, Juan's over at his uh, locker. Uh, we had just ramped up. I think it was with Miles. It might have been Elijah. I, I can't remember which one. But looked over. Juan's at his locker. He's he's all toweled up. So, the etiquette there is guys getting dressed, you leave him be. Right. Um, but you hang close enough so that maybe they feel that you're there. And that, okay, they know that you're going to want to talk to them when they're done getting dressed. So I happened to turn my back uh, looking across the locker room, and Juan had gotten dressed, finished getting dressed. And I turned around, and he was already walking. <laughs> and it was too little too late, you know, because guys like, you know, 10 feet down line, <clears throat> hey, Juan, can we talk to you for a <laughs> You don't want to do one of those things, right? Get the bullhorn out. Right. right. So, um, but he, like I said, during the open portion of practice, he looked fine to me. Uh, so I anticipate he's going to make his official regular season Browns debut against the Steers. I don't know how much he's going to play. They might, uh, they might, you know, trim his snaps back a little bit, right? As <clears throat> I give him too much, but I think we're going to see Juan Thornhill uh, at uh, whatever they're calling that stadium by the river in Pittsburgh. So um, they liked what Roddy McLeod did, though, last week, right? I mean, everyone seemed to be pretty happy with that. I was, I thought he played well. Yeah, but if you can put Juan Thornhill on the field, <laughs> you're going to put one. But yeah, I, I know. But I, we're talking. You know, we talked a lot in the offseason about depth and not having depth and having depth. And in that position, it's always good yeah. to have depth. So, like, you can feel comfortable if he's not playing. You'd rather have him playing, but you can feel comfortable. Yeah, hundred percent. And. Um, I think that you'll probably see some Rodney McLeod against the Steelers, no question about it. Uh, just because, again, I, I'm not anticipating Juan Thornhill being able to take a full workload, you know, coming off this this calf strain or whatever it was that he was dealing with. So, yeah, I mean, and that's why they felt – they didn't feel great about him being hurt last week, but, like, they were comfortable, right? Sure, don't have Juan Thornhill. Yes, that's a loss, but – were comfortable in Rodney McLeod, which is part of the reason they brought him in, was to be able to step on the field when called upon and and not have a significant drop-off in play at that position. And guess what? Last week, you didn't have any significant drop-off. So let me get into this part of the game as well, too. On the offensive line, obviously, T.J. Watt is going to put pressure on the Browns. I, they're going to put pressure on the Browns. And DeWatt Jones is going to be bearing his very first NFL start. Uh, we both have sung his praises in this camp, especially after rookie minicamp. 
right. between him and Jed Wills, how concerned are we about the tackles in this game against Pittsburgh? Well, is it wrong for me to like feel better about DeWan Jones having to block TJ Watt than Jedrick Wills? No, that seems to be the sentiment. I mean, it's not, I don't think you're alone. I think there are a lot of people asking that question and wondering, you know, is Jed Wills long for the job, especially for a first round draft pick? Yeah. So, I mean, look, they, they catch a little bit of break with Cameron Haywood not being available. He's hurt, right? Going to miss with, I think they said eight weeks or so uh, with his injury. So you do catch a little break there, right? That's one less big time rusher. But let's also not forget about Alex Highsmith, who has wrecked a few Brown Steelers games over the years. So um, that's still a dynamic duo that they're going to be able to throw at the Browns, even without Hayward being able to be on the field for them. So I, I yeah, am I am I am I nervous about Jed Wills v Heisman? Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and, and I've said this, like I like Jed a lot. Um, I I the the talent is there. I don't know if his heart's in it though. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, you know, you can be good at something and you do it because you're good at it, but that doesn't mean that, like, that's your your passion, if that makes sense. And, totally. again, and, and I'm not saying that there <clears throat> isn't Jed's passion. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just raising a question. Like, I don't know. But um, let's be honest about it. There is drop-off at times with Jed. He is kind of like a 75-25, 80-20 player. He gives you 75 to 80% really, really good snaps, right? The problem is that 20 to 25% where he gets beat like a drum. And that's the, you know, and and maybe it's unfair. No, I'm not going to say it's unfair because you're a first-round pick and you're a top-10 pick and they picked up the fifth-year option on your contract. Like, I, I don't think it's unreasonable like you aren't going to get beat. That, I mean, that's just the nature of sports, right? There's no – LeBron James loses uh, on occasion, right? Uh, right. One-on-one matchups. Like that. that's just sports. You're not going to win 100% of the time. But I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that Jed Wills can bump that to like a 90%, right? Where maybe one out of 10 plays, he struggles a little bit. Or less than one out of 10 plays, he struggles. The problem is it's usually two – or three times out of 10 plays, he seems to struggle. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I almost feel better about T.J. Watt going against DeWine Jones because of Jones's size, his strength, his wingspan, right? Um, I, I do think DeWine made a little bit of a rookie mistake when he talked about trying to get up into uh, the chest of T.J. Watt, you know, just kind of like trying to explain what he's going to do. Yeah, but, he didn't need to do that. I agree with you on that. You, you, you know it's okay. We'll yes. But but from my standpoint, I'm not going to criticize him for it because that that helps me do my job. And uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. I, I can understand why some folks within the Browns weren't crazy about DeWan openly talking about that. Um, oh well. Yeah, you can I, see well, it on the field. So right, and, and and you know the the key for DeWan, I think, is going to be leverage. The hardest thing for him is going to be leverage because he's just such a big dude, right? Like, what made Joe Thomas such a great tackle? Obviously, it was the anticipation of the snap count and his footwork and his technique and mechanics. But the thing that Joe Thomas always excelled at was the leverage game. He could get underneath and up into guys' chests, and he could steer them without holding. 
You see what I'm saying? Absolutely, absolutely. And and, yeah. was, and 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 I want to go back to Jed for a second because you know I really paid attention when I went back and I watched uh, Bengals Browns last week. Um, I really paid attention to those two tackle spots, and I thought Dewan Jones did a real good job of moving and keeping his body in front of his guy, and that's not easy to do for somebody as big as he is, right? And that's where that basketball background of his really comes into play. Where Jed, this is what Jed does. And if you're watching on YouTube, you obviously you see it better. But Jed likes to use his hands, and he likes to push. He doesn't like to steer. And that's what Joe Thomas would do. He'd steer. What Jed does, he likes to just push you. Okay? Like, knock. he comes out of He likes to get out of his stance, and he likes to come up. And he likes to push you off center and just keep pushing you to, like, the outside, right? To push you away from the pocket. Well, what happens is when you push someone, You've disengaged, and now that defender is able to recalibrate and move and get around you. And we see a lot of Jed where he's like, he literally comes out of the stance and he's pushing the guy. And as the guy's moving toward the outside, he's you know trying to push him. The problem is that he gets beat with a swim move or another, you know, one of those other moves and 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 that. So that that is a technique thing that I think that Jed still needs to to work on a little bit. But um, you know. You got two of the best in the business in Highsmith and, and Watt, especially Watt. I mean, they got this, they got cooked by the San Francisco 49ers in week one, right? And like TJ Watt was the he was the player of the game for the Steelers. Had three sacks in the game, uh, got all kinds of pressure on a regular basis, uh, made levels at multiple la- areas of of, of uh, the defense there. So um, he's he's just the real deal. He really is, and he's he is just so difficult to defend. But yeah, I almost am glad that Dewan Jones has to deal with T.J. Watt and not Jed Wills, because we've seen T.J. Watt v. Jed Wills, and it has not gone well for mm-hmm. Wills. All right, let's talk more about this Brown Steelers game coming up. Also, Miles Garrett, uh, we'll go swimming with him or dancing with him. Maybe we'll go dancing instead. We'll do that. Plus, uh, he gets a little corny too. All this coming up. Um, It's always game day in Cleveland. Hey, Ohio with mobile sports betting now live. We know it can be a bit overwhelming deciding which sports book to use. That's why we wanted to tell you about BetQL. BetQL is your one stop for all things sports betting related from betting analytic trends to expert picks. Head on over to the BetQL app or to BetQL.com to get informed and get your betting win streak started. Use code OH25 for 25% off your first month. Head to betql.com slash news slash 92.3 the fan for those exclusive sportsbook offers. All right, he's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Uh, Miles Garrett, obviously, there were two big videos that came out of last week's game against Cincinnati. One um, was Wyatt Teller, right? It was the Wyatt Teller 25-yard pancake. (laughs) That was just hysterical that I think everyone enjoyed a lot. The other was the dancing with Miles Garrett. Yeah, well, so a little nugget on the Jed Wills blocking one, or I'm sorry, the Wyatt Teller blocking one. Uh, I asked Alex Van Pelt about it, and I was a little surprised by the answer I got because I was like, "Hey, you know, what'd you what'd you think about that video?" One he goes, "Look, hysterical." He goes, "I was just happy they didn't call the holding penalty because he goes, what happens is is when you get a guy beat that bad, right? He's just getting his ass handed to him by an offensive lineman." A lot of times the, the official will throw a flag for holding. And, you know, there are times where the sidelines go, I'm sorry, you threw a flag because he blocked it too well? 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So, so AVP was like, sometimes you got to be a little, he goes, I, I worry about those places great as they are. And as good as why it is, he goes, I'm always worried that a holding penalty is going to get called. I mean, cause let's be honest, Wyatt blocked that guy into next week. Uh, I mean, it, 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 and it was textbook. It was two hands in front. Again, like I was talking about in that last segment, Andy, about the steering. Like, that's exactly what Wyatt Teller did on that play. He came up, grabbed the guy right in the chest, and just steered him 25 yards down the field. And he didn't hold him. Like, it was done without holding him. Um, but, yeah, I, I found that comment from Alex Van Pelt to be uh, a little illuminating and, and, and a little surprising, too, the fact that he worries on those big mega Teller blocks that holding penalties get called because Wyatt Teller is too good at his job as the right guard. It's funny. All right, let's talk about Miles Garrett for a second. I know everyone wants to talk about his advancement into the line where he's swaying back and forth and doing a dance. I do want to bring this up, though. Actually, and if you was, haven't, it was dribbling. We'll go, dribbling, yeah. Dri- swaying, dribbling. I don't know. It looked like he was dancing. Well, actually, he was doing the, like, he's standing up and he's, he's like doing the dribbles between the legs, like, I'm about to cross you over. And then he actually did the crossover. Like, right. He, he actually crossed over on the center. The center was helpless. The quarterback ran for his life. It was fantastic. And what was the feeling? Was there a talk about that at camp during the week or in the in Berea? Yeah, they're all laughing about it. Garrett's like, yeah. Well, Kevin Stefanski, like, I don't care if he goes. I hope he goes behind the back the next time. I don't care as long as he's doing what he's supposed to do. Which, by the way, don't be surprised if you see Miles Garrett out there doing him behind the back or something. I don't know. But I thought it was great. Look, I mean. This is the thing about Jim Schwartz's defense that fans are really going to come to love, not just the production on the field. He's big into camaraderie. He's big on you get a sack, you're celebrating with the other 10 guys on the field with you. Uh, You break up a pass down the field, you're celebrating with the other 10 guys. You pick off a pass, you're celebrating with the other 10 guys, right? He's very big into that, and I think that that's gotten these guys really to buy in and and be – unselfish like okay when he lined miles up over the center on that play right miles is standing there he's doing that crossover bit or whatever like kevin stefanski even mentioned this past week like he knew what was about to happen he knew he knew some fool was about to get destroyed by miles garrett right right Um, and you know the fact schwartz will draw okay this is miles play this plays for zadaria smith this plays for you know, some, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson to get out the court, whatever. Um, you know, he comes up with equal opportunities and for all of his guys. It's not just predicated on Miles Garrett having to carry the defense, right? And I think that that's so important when you talk about the overall team success. That Because let's be honest about it, how many times in seasons past, Andy, we'd be watching him and be like, all right, it's time for Miles to do something. Miles has to do something. Miles has to make a play here. Miles has to take this game over right now, right? I mean, right. That that you don't have to do that now. Granted, we're still saying stuff like that, right? Okay, well, you know, who's Miles going to destroy on this snap and make him look really stupid? But it's not just predicated solely on Miles Garrett making a, a a big play. And so, what you're going to see with this defense, Andy, and this is why I think they're going to be really, really good. It's more than just the scheme. These guys had fun last. Denzel Ward said this uh, d- this past week, most fun he's had on a field with the Browns. Wow, playing, really? Playing in that game. Had a ton That's of fun. That's great news. That's great you know, news. Okay? Um, and, 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 and what happens is, is these guys are having fun, 
like legit having fun, not just saying that, but they're legit out there having fun because dudes are making plays. That's going to make them even better. So that's, that's what's got me really, really excited about this defense. Not just seeing the buy-in, not just seeing that week one success, but really feeling, because like you're in the locker room, you can feel like you can feel the mood of the team. And the early vibe, uh, and I know we've only had like a you know two weeks in the locker room per se, because during training camp we do all our interviews under you know out on the field and and things like that. It, it's a little different when you're in the locker room because you got guys coming in and out of that room and stuff like that. Like Fridays, there's a, a or in this case this past week was Saturday, ton of energy in that locker room on Saturday. Last week leading up to the Bengals game ton of energy in the locker room. And I, and when I say that, that's a positive thing. Like I'm not being critical, like sure guys are joking around yelling, you know, busting each other's chops, you know, playing some music and, and things like that. So when you have players that are legit having fun, I think that changes the, the team dynamic a little bit, right? You don't have this, you know, you don't have the Kevin Stefanski. We're all showing up in our suit and tie, and and we're here to do a job. This is our job. Your job is this. Your job is that. Your job is that. If they screw that up, you have to come over and do that. You know what I'm saying? Because that's that that's basically what it was last year. And yeah, they have a job to do. They know they have a job to do, and that's why you don't hear a lot of trash talk coming out of that locker room these first two weeks, right? Right. That's all by design. Hey, <clears throat> we're gonna do our talking on the field. Like couple, I think Grant Delpit was one of them. As long as you're winning and you're playing good football, that all works. But once things start to lose, you see what you're made of and you see what that glue is right now. The glue is pretty thick and it's going to hold these guys together. A little bit of controversy. And then you start to see what the issues are. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, this, this, this locker room right now, Andy doesn't strike me as one that's going to be filled with a lot of controversy. No drama. That's the that's the best theory any team could ever have at any sport at any level. No yeah, drama. I, I mean, and we talked about this like during training camp, and I was like bemoaning the fact that it was such a boring training camp, right? Because it right. was it really was a boring training camp. That was like the best thing ever for the Cleveland Browns. Like I agree. I agree. All right, uh, when we come back, Daryl, I want another point I need to bring up here too. I want to finish that Miles Garrett story. And uh there's another story in football, and you gotta wonder if it would work in the NFL from the college ranks. We'll touch on that next. It's always game day in Cleveland. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Okay. So we talked a little bit about, you know, Miles Garrett doing the basketball moves, playing football, but the other big move is at Mapleside farms. I guess we'll give them a little bit of plug. They have a thing called pumpkin village out there. If you get a chance, Google this and check it out. They have a corn maze. It's Jurassic miles. I'm looking at it as we speak. It is really, really cool. It's a corn maze that we always get around this time of year, no matter where you are around Northeast Ohio. And this corn maze is just phenomenal because it's actually a, a giant maze around Miles Garrett. And Garrett's got his arms up like this. Yep. And then you're trying to get your way through it and then work your way through the word Jurassic Miles. It's it's really cool. Mapleside Farms did it. And I'm sure they're getting a lot of free pub for it, but they earned it, man. That didn't look easy to build. Yeah, no, it it is pretty cool, and I always, I always get a kick out of those, um, like those aerial shots of the cornfields. That yes, you know, the, the, the even like you know Fourth of July, the patriotic ones and stuff like that. I God bless those artists that are able uh, to do that. I mean, just painting, like drawing or painting something on a wall or a canvas or whatever, is hard enough. 
imagine doing that and like it, with with that real life. Hey, we're gonna you got to cut this stalk of corn down and then that one. And if you cut the wrong one, you screw the whole thing up. <laughs> I'll say this: like if aliens are looking at that from outer space, they're probably just gonna turn right around because they know Miles is gonna come sack them. That's why. <laughs> but look, um, you know. And this is kind of what's cool. Like the Browns have players that are marketable now. They do. They do. You know I agree. I mean? Like you got dudes that are marketable now. <coughs> now. You've got good football players on both. And the other thing is you don't have problem children. You know what I'm saying? Well, we probably have the biggest problem in the NFL, but hopefully that's in the, uh, that's in the rearview mirror. I mean, it's, and it's not about being a, a problem child. It's about just the problem and the, the whole look across the NFL. I, I still, I still think nationally it makes us a non-likable team, but we'll see. Deshaun keeps winning and, and starts playing the kind of football we expect him to play, and maybe he looks a little bit better. Weather's a little bit better. Connects on some of the long balls. Looks like he's unstoppable out there. Perception is uh, based on the last 24 hours. Uh, you know that that's just kind of how things work. Yeah, because locally it's not. It's really a non-issue, right? It's that's a non-issue here. Fans are not calling into your show angry that he's the quarterback. I can tell you, just observing because nothing's gone crazy sideways yet. Right. When something goes crazy sideways, then then you'll hear from everybody. Right. But like out of training camp, the last two years there were no protests. There were no organization. You know what I'm saying? Like I, honest to goodness, last year I thought like there were going to be picket lines out at. Oh, I did too. I <laughs> totally agree with you. And and there were not. Um, so that I think that the temperature around that situation will, as you said, winning cures everything. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, he was accused of exactly some things. And, you know, as he retired, all the focus was on the, the Super Bowls he won and the, and the hall of fame career that he had. So he's got to, we need, we need to see from Deshaun some 300 yard passing games for him, you know, multiple touchdowns, uh, uh, running in multiple times for touch. You know what I'm saying? Like we need yeah. to see, we need to see the guy we saw in Houston where he just is making opposing defenses look completely stupid and ridiculous, and he's setting them on fire on a regular basis. When he starts doing that, I think that um, the uh, the national media will, I guess, come around to be wanting to give the Browns love for being a good football team. I don't think that people want to hop on the bandwagon just yet, Andy. We're only one week into the season. Certainly Monday night's game is going to go a long way to – growing that bandwagon if you will but um everyone's been burned in the past by saying hey this is the year that the cleveland browns are going to be a, a, a super bowl contender or a contender for the afc or contender for the afc north and then what happens they bleep the bed and you know it ends up being a disappointing season i don't think that's happening this year i think that the only way that happens with this football team this year is i don't even want to say the word and i think you know what then I'm don't saying. I'm I know not, where you're going. I don't want to put that bad juju out there in the, in the, in the uh, karma sphere or whatever, but there's only one way that I feel like this this is not going to be a good football team and a fun football team to watch. So we're not even going to think about it. All right, then don't. I want to ask you one other topic before we get into the this uh, our last thoughts on this game before it happens. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people stayed out. I'm sure the ratings were gigantic for ESPN. On Saturday night, Colorado, Colorado State, especially if you watch the first quarter, it oh. was a it was a down and dirty game. A lot of personal fouls. Yeah, I lot of lot of I jaw talking, some stupid hits. The sidelines to empty, and they were just going to brawl at midfield at some point. I thought we, that was coming too. 
Yeah. So before I ask you if you think Deion Sanders would work in the NFL, I do think uh, for those of us around Northeast Ohio that remember Sean Lewis when he was at Kent State, who's now the current offensive coordinator at Colorado, right. a lot of people said, why would you leave a Division One job as a head coach to become a coordinator at another Division One school? And I think when this is all said and done, the biggest winner in this whole Deion Sanders story is going to be Sean Lewis. Now, did he get the benefit of picking up two really, really good players offensively at Colorado? Sure did, even though one got hurt on a stupid play right. in the beginning of the game. I mean, sh probably should have been ejected for that play. I was kind of surprised it was only a personal foul. But, I mean, look what Sean Lewis did at Kent State. He did something that most coaches can't do, and that's run off consecutive winning seasons in the Mid-American Conference. I'm not saying overall, because we all know that Mid-American Conference teams play pretty tough teams in the beginning of the year, like, you know, like a Western Kentucky against right. Ohio State. But when you look at teams like that, you're going to take your lumps. And, I mean, he went to Kent in 2018. They were 2-8, two 2-10 and and their first year, uh, suffered through it 1-7 and seven in conference. And then by 2021, you know, they went to the Potato Bowl, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Uh, they won out there. They were first in the East. They did a lot of things. And at Kent State, it seems to be hard to get winning football there. And he left after last season to go out to Colorado to be the offensive coordinator. To me, sometimes it might look like he might be the man behind the scenes in Colorado that's making things happen while Dion can go out there and make sure that the world is looking at his team. What are your thoughts on that? And could Dion work in the NFL? Yeah, I, I don't know that it's the, the worst thought. I mean, you just watch Dion on the sidelines, right? I mean, does right. it look like he's doing a lot of coaching, right? You know? Well, he's in the game. I mean, I you can't take that. I mean, we yeah. don't know what Kevin Stefanski is truly doing on the sidelines or any. I mean, Mike Tomlin, who knows what he's doing on the he's sidelines. The but, you know, program. you know what I mean? Like, he's the CEO of the program. He's the right. Of the program. He's brought a lot of attention to that program. He has put Colorado immediately back on the map. Um, it That game was exciting to watch last night uh, or I should, you know, Saturday night. Um for those of you that are listening to this again on Monday, but like I, as far as whether or not he could work in the NFL, I, th I think so. Because a lot of the NFL, like there's not a lot of secrets in the NFL. True. It, it's a copycat league. It's about, can you light a fire under enough guys asses to get you to, you know, really get to that next level. And I think the without being, without being urban Meyer, that's the trick. Well, right. And, but see, I don't think Dion is, Urban Meyer is a taskmaster, right? Dion's not a taskmaster. He's, he's a player's coach. He's a, like you saw in the middle of that game, I think, you know, the, the receiver that dropped the ball, I forget his name. He had a drop and D, he goes over to the sideline and Dion hugs him and he's got his arm around him and he's talking to him. And you can see Dion say, I love you, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, but we got to make that catch. Right. But you see what I'm saying? That's right. motivation. That's not that's not getting in your beak and, you know, hey, man, you better catch the bleeping ball. If you don't catch the bleeping ball, you're going to be on the bleeping. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not one of those things. Like, hey, man, I love you. You got to make that play for me. But we're coming back to you. Like, he's he's a player's coach. He's a no-nonsense guy. You're going to give me 110% every time or you can't play for me. And I do, th I do think Dion could I, – I agree with Mike Florio. Mike Florio, I think, was on the Dan Patrick Show earlier this week. And he was asked this very question. And I 100% agree with Florio. I think Deion Sanders could work in the NFL because he is a master motivator. And that's a big part of being – because these guys – look, 
These guys are paid millionaires in the National Football League, right? Their contract, for the most part, you know, they, they, when they get their guaranteed money, their signing bonuses and stuff like that, that kind of sets them up. Like, they're motivated, like, because what we, there, there are some guys that play the sport to play the sport and make money and set up generational wealth for their families and stuff like that. Cause like that was their out, right. That was their right. 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 To really make it in life. But maybe football really isn't their passion. I think Deion Sanders is really good at making football the passion of his guys. And that's why I think he'll work because again, he's not, I mean, he's not yeah. like Urban Meyer, Andy, Urban. No, Meyer, no. You know what I'm saying? Like no. he is a, he players he, love him. They don't hate him. Players right. Hated, they, hated him. I mean, they love him. They love playing for him. They want to uh, make him happy and proud of the. You know what I'm saying? So I think Dion would 100% work in the NFL. I really do. Uh, last thought on that game. Don't think. Don't think for a minute that didn't help Jay Norville either. The whole. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like I, I would say that. Um, uh, yeah, that absolutely helped Colorado State. There's no question about that. That that whole, uh, you know, the, the you know wearing the sunglasses and things like that uh, at meetings that absolutely helped. Yeah, I think too. All right, Daryl, quickly, let's figure this out. Uh, Browns, Steelers, final thoughts. If you can go there, well, go. I am. I'm intrigued to see like what ridiculously stupid catch George Pickens makes this week. Because it seems like right. he makes one of those every week. Uh, Kenny Pickett, um, you know, I, I just think that the book's out. It's The, the jury's still out on him. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if he's the, the, the next, uh, you know, franchise quarterback uh, for the Steelers. I do know this. It's Mike Tomlin. It's the Steelers. They are 100% showing up to play this game Monday night. So if the Browns think they're just going to walk into Pittsburgh because they are, I will say, the Cleveland Browns are the better football team in this game. And they're before not, they play, I agree with you. Before yeah. they play, but we'll before see something play, different. Browns are the better team, and let's be honest about it. Since 1999, there have not been many opportunities where we could look at these two, this head-to-head match, and say, "Yeah, Cleveland's got the better team." This case, the Browns are the better team. They need to go out there and show it, because you better believe you're going to get the Steelers' best punch Monday night, coming off that embarrassing 30 to seven Week One debut in that loss to the uh, 49ers. I second that. Look, uh, no matter what, we will have a post-game edition, a short, quick post-game wrap after the game. So no matter how late it is, you'll be able to catch that a little bit after the game. Daryl and I will be doing a post-game edition right after the Monday night football game. So if you're awake at 3 o'clock in the morning, we got you covered, let me tell you. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin for Meredith Kane, our great producer. It's always game day in Cleveland. 